Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time asking, Lord, that you would please speak to your people. Lord, we need a word in this season of chaos, in this season of fear, in this season of uncertainty. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would speak to your people, that you would open our eyes, and that you would open the eyes of all of our people. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Once again, uh, I want to welcome you to uh, this uh, program today, this message today. And I believe that God has something very special for us, especially in this time. I'm just going to kind of come out and say this, and I hope I don't turn anyone off. Uh, The title of the message, The Hidden Agenda Behind Racism. I'm going to be dealing uh, with the issue of racism. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this up front. I am tired of my brothers being enslaved and abused. Yes, I am tired of my brothers being enslaved and abused. I'm tired of my people getting treated like slaves. And I hope that by the end of this message, you will share the very same sentiment. I'm tired of the racism that my people face. Yes, it is my prayer that you will be tired of this too, that you are tired of it, that you are fed up. I don't care what color you are right now. I need you to hear what I am saying. Come on, we're going to go to the Bible. And I want to invite you to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And in Genesis 1 verse 26, the Bible here is describing the creation of of Adam and Eve. And the Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. I want you to notice here that God made man in his image. Okay, I need you to understand that when God created man, he created man in his image and in his likeness. Now, my question for you is this. Did God mean, let us make a man, or did he mean, let us make mankind? So I want you to think about that for a moment. When God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, did he mean a single man? Did he mean, let us make Adam in our image and in our likeness? Or did that statement apply to all humanity that would be made afterward? Right. Everyone coming out of the the loins of Adam. I believe that you understand that when God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, he wasn't talking about one individual, but he was talking about mankind. 
mankind was made in his image. So that's the first thing I want you to remember. Very simply, mankind was made in the image of God. Now come with me to Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. And the Bible says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the face of the earth. So, the Bible tells us that God gave man dominion over the earth. In other words, God said God made the earth and then gave it to man who he had made in his image. Said here, the earth is yours. Subdue it. When God made man in his image, he was talking about the human race. Now, I just want to make sure that you get what I just said. When God said, let us make man in his image, he was talking about the human race. Okay, so amen at home. If you're following me so far, yes, God made the human race. God made man in his image, which means God made the human race in his image. Now I got another question for you, and it is this. Did God create the human race or the human races? Okay, I need you to think very carefully about that question. Did God create the human race or did he create the human races? All right. So I'm going to suggest to you that God created the human race. Why do I say that, beloved? Because there is only one human race. All right. So if you're with me so far, pastor, we got you. Yes, God created one human race race. There is only one human race. Okay. So one race guys, I need you to follow this one race and the race was to reflect the image of God. So now I know a question you're asking, well, there's so many colors in our race. Right? Think, just, just think about this for a second. One race, yes, one race, but many colors. All right. Hmm. Hmm. So God made one race, and that race is the human race. But within the human race were many colors. Right? Obviously, Adam himself was not many colors. Eve herself was not many. But throughout the human race, they would produce many colors. One race, many colors. One race, many colors. One race, many colors. So the question now becomes, what color is God? Have you ever asked yourself that question? What color is God? If mankind is in the image of God, what color is God? And I'm going to tell you, I know what color God is. I want to see, uh, huh. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Let, let's check. Let's find out what the, you know, the Bible tells us what color God is. So there's a big debate. Is God black? Is God white? What color is God? Come on, guys. Let me share with you what color God is. 
In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says here, and this is Ezekiel speaking, he says, And I saw the color of amber as the appearance of fire round about within it from the appearance of his loins. That is talking about God. Ezekiel is in vision and he catches a vision of divinity, of God. And the Bible says that the appearance of his loins, even upward, and from the appearance of his loins, even downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire and it had brightness round about it. Now notice verse 28. As the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of the rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the lightness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. Okay, Ezekiel is telling us that the glory of the Lord looked like a bow, like a rainbow, like a rainbow. So the glory of the Lord was a combination of colors. <laughs> what color is God? What color is God? God is multicolored. The glory of the Lord is a rainbow. That's what shines out of God. He's not one color. He is many colors. So when we understand this concept of one race, but many colors, what we're beginning to understand is that the entire human race was supposed to be a reflection of the glory of God, which is multicolored. <laughs> oh, man. Are you guys following me so far? Each color, listen carefully, together reflected the glory of God. Not one color. Not one color here and the other color. No, no, no. All the colors combined reflected the glory of God. If you're with me so far, I can't hear you, but just say amen. All right, let's keep moving. The question now is this. How did Satan feel about the human race, especially since that race was to reflect the image of God. What do you think, guys? How did Satan feel about the human race, especially since the human race was to reflect the image, the glory of God? One race was to be many colors. How do you think Satan felt about the human race? What do you say? Did you say he hated the human race? Notice with me Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman... You shall not surely die. Now, did Satan know that the woman would surely die? 
Yes, he did. But he lies to her. Why? Because he wants the race to die. He hates the human race. Meaning, listen carefully, beloved. Racism is when you hate a race. Therefore, the first racist man. <laughs> the first racist to ever exist was Satan himself. All right, are you guys following this? Why is Satan a racist? Why? Because he hates the human race. He hates the fact that the human race reflects or at least was supposed to reflect the glory of God. So he hates the race, meaning he hates the colors. Are you catching this, guys? <laughs> he hates the colors because the colors, especially, not, not especially, the colors, yeah, let me say, the colors, especially together, combined, reflect the glory of God. So Satan hates all the colors, not just one. All right. If you follow me so far, just give me an amen. Okay. All right, good. Let's keep going. So Adam and Eve end up sinning, right? And when they sin, according to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 12, the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So when Adam sinned, sin and death entered the world. And what ends up happening is that Adam and Eve gave up the deed of the earth. They gave it over to Satan. Okay, so this is why the Bible says, for example, in John chapter 14, verse 30, Jesus speaking, he says, hereafter, I will not talk much with you for the prince of this world cometh. Okay, what does it mean? The prince of the world, the prince of this world. What does that mean? Prince of this world. That simply means Satan was given the deed of this earth when Adam handed it over to him. All right. So let's recap. Let's recap. Number one, Satan was the first racist. Number two, when Adam and Eve sinned, they handed over the land to Satan. So listen carefully now, guys. Listen carefully. This earth became Satan's plantation. Oh, <laughs> oh boy. Oh, Oh, let me let that sink in for a moment. This earth became Satan's plantation. Now, when you have a plantation, what do you need? Come on, guys, what do you need? If you have a plantation, you need slaves. You need slaves 
to work your business because that's how you make your livelihood. So, so let's, let's imagine it like this, okay? This earth became Satan's plantation. Satan has a job. His livelihood, he has a crop that he produces. Listen carefully, beloved. His livelihood, his livelihood is racism, which means the destruction of the human race. Satan's work is to destroy the human race. So listen carefully, beloved. God's definition of racism is a lot different than the definition we have come to accept as racism. God's definition of racism is anything that harms the human race. Whoa. <laughs> you see, beloved, Satan is the ultimate racist, and his racism simply means I will do everything I can to cause chaos within the human race to keep them that from understanding that together we reflect the glory of God are you catching what I'm saying are you understanding this Satan's racism is not to destroy one particular color of people. It is to destroy every color of people. And he will use the colors against one another. <laughs> because how better to destroy the image of God than to turn the rainbow, to turn the colors against one another instead of together reflecting the glory of God. So, the slave master has slaves on his plantation. And what is their work? Well, let's see. Galatians 5.19 tells us what their work is. The work is to maim, hurt, and destroy the human race. It's to cause pain and suffering. So, Galatians 5.19 says this. Now, the works of the flesh, right? The works that are done on the plantation of Satan, the slave master, are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, 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 variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, reveling, all these are the work that Satan has his slaves doing. And the whole purpose of the slaves doing this work is to produce the crop of racism, which is the destruction of the human race. The more chaos, the more rioting, you, you can't, come on. Man. Mm. Mm. Yeah, guys. The more chaos he can get into the human race, one race, 
The more chaos he can have happening within the human race, the more separation, the more division, the more anger, the more hatred, he's actually completing his very mission of destroying the human race. So that's what he does. This is how he builds his kingdom. After all, slaves were used to build the kingdoms of their slave masters. This is why Romans 6.16 says this. It says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. So, beloved, what I want you to understand here is that Satan is a slave master seeking to fill his field with slaves, regardless of color. So, in planting the crop of strife, you just produce more strife. So, if I can get one of my slaves to kneel on the neck, then I can get other people on my field burning stuff down. See, we need to understand this, beloved, from a biblical aspect. True racism is anything that wars against God's will for the human race. That includes what we understand as racism. It includes mass genocide. All these different things that we would not naturally think that's racism, that's racism, that's racism. People think, oh, racism doesn't exist. Racism does exist. The thing is, we don't even understand that, listen, humanity... The slaves are being used by the slave master to destroy the human race, which is Satan's version of racism. Let me put it plainly. When we talk about the slave trade, 400 years of slavery and that black people were slaves, listen guys, black people weren't the only slaves. I don't know if you caught that just now. The black people were not the only slaves. The slave masters were slaves. They just didn't know they were slaves. Are you catching what I'm saying? Listen. There were many blacks who were free, though they were slaves, and many whites who were slaves, though they were free. You need to think about that for a moment. You need to just think that through for a moment. You see, when you have Christ, you're free. You catch what I'm saying? We look at racism through human eyes and we say, oh, racism is the hatred of one race towards 
another over color. And yes, that is racism, but you gotta understand there is a hidden agenda behind the truth of racism. And the truth of racism is that Satan is a racist. And he's trying to destroy the human race. And one of the most effective ways that he's doing that is through the color scheme. If I can turn the colors to war with one another, not realizing, not realizing that together they reflect the glory of God. If I can just get this war going, if I can just get a color war going, I have destroyed the rainbow. I have destroyed the glory. I have shattered the glory. I need you to catch this. During the slave trade, during the slave trade in America, the slave master had to work very hard to keep the slaves from uniting. <laughs> I, want, I need you to catch this, guys. See, the slave masters were typically outnumbered by their slaves. So they lived in a very dangerous setting. You know, if the slaves, like, decided... They could just all band together and overthrow their slave master. So in order for this not to happen, the slave master had to be very, you know, exacting and cruel and punish the smallest infraction. So basically, one of the things that the slave masters would do was they would implement this atmosphere of distrust amongst the slaves. So, you know, you have the, the field slave and the, and the house slave. <laughs> And the house slave felt that he had or she had, you know, more than, than the field slave. So the house slave maybe was, in a sense, more economically, you know, favored. You catch what I'm saying? Beloved, regardless of where they were economically, regardless of, of the, stat, the status of the of the the house slave over the field slave, they were still slaves. But the slave master would work this principle of distrusting so that the slaves did not trust each other and they tattled on each other. They had laws where the slaves could not commune or gather. It was unlawful assembly for slaves, more than four or five slaves to gather together at one time. So the whole purpose was keep the slaves divided. Do not let them ever come together and get on the same page and thus catch on to what the slave master was doing. Mm. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Are you seeing this, guys? So keep the slaves on his plantation at war with one another. Never trusting one another. Always suspicious of one another. Keep that going so that they never put two and two together and say, hey, wait a minute. 
So what does Satan do? He does just that. And Jesus tells us in Matthew 24, verse 6, notice what it says here. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now watch this. For nation, and the Greek word is ethnos. Ethnos. <laughs> for nation, for ethnos shall rise against ethnos. Ethnicity. Look it up in the Strong's Concordance. It actually means race. Race shall rise against race. That's what Satan would do. He would cause race wars. Color wars. Nation against nation. Just a few verses down, it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. So basically, listen carefully, beloved. Racism is prophesied here. Race will rise against race. They will not have love for one another. They will hate one another. There will be wars Ethnos against ethnos. This is Satan's plan. This is what Satan wants to accomplish. So not only is Satan the slave master saying, okay, we need to keep them separated so that they don't trust each other. And by the way, let me say this, and you know, I'm saying this with all the love that I can. There is a reason why conspiracy theories are so popular today. See, conspiracy theories lead you not to trust who? Who? Not to trust who? Them. Them. Who is them? We don't know. But it's just them. And sometimes we hear stuff about them, whoever the them is. And what happens is we're like, yeah, don't trust, don't trust. And we begin to portray, to cast onto groups of people, or we begin to cast onto them this insidious, like, yeah, they are really, really just, Satan has made a, a plot with them, and they're in on the plot with Satan. And what happens is that we get this idea or this pattern of us against them, don't trust, don't trust, don't trust, and you got to listen carefully to me, beloved. When we feed into these narratives, listen, there is one conspiracy, and it is a conspiracy of Satan. And Satan typically doesn't let his slaves in on his conspiracy. That's why the Bible says he deceives the whole world. Please catch what I'm saying. I know there, there are people out there who are straight up, Evil, that's it. They have chosen, I am going to be evil. I'm not saying that there are not evil people out there, but what I'm saying is when we begin to feed into a narrative where everyone is the enemy, we are feeding into the very thing, the very crop of Satan's plantation.
There is one conspiracy theory that I'm focused on, guys. It is not a conspiracy theory regarding COVID or a conspiracy theory regarding Bill Gates or a conspiracy theory, and it's not a theory. There is one conspiracy that I'm concerned about, and that is a conspiracy found in Revelation chapter 13, where you have a beast from the earth, a beast from the sea, and a dragon who will combine to bring persecution upon God's end time people. That's the only conspiracy. I need you to understand this. Still, be my friend, please. I love you. I hope you still love me. But guys, our focus needs to be on what the scripture says. So when we go off and we're starting to, yeah, and you know, the black people, they're all trying to do, or the white people, all of them are trying to, or, or this people, or, or whatever it is, that, that party, this party, we are being trained in a mentality of don't trust. They are out for evil. And beloved, this is exactly what Satan is doing. Number one, keep them at odds. Number two, keep the slaves ignorant. Slaves were not allowed to read or write, so they were illiterate. Why? Because if they could read and write, they would begin to be liberated. So not only keep them at odds, but keep them illiterate. Keep the slaves illiterate. Don't let them read. Don't let them understand. Keep them away from the correct understanding of the word of God. And so when they read the word of God, all they see is, oh, if that's what God is like, I don't want anything to do with God. And when you don't have anything to do with God, you end up living the plantation life. The only crop you produce is Satan's crop. So keep the slaves illiterate so that they cannot read, they cannot understand. So not only did they do that, not only did they cause them to be separated, they said you cannot gather together, unlawful assembly, and all these things together, beloved, we, leads us to understand something very, very important, and it is this, guys. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen to me. Our wrestle is not against another color. Whatever color you are, I need you to understand this right now. Your struggle, your wrestle is not against another color. We're not supposed to be fighting against colors. We're supposed to be fighting against the slave master. But if the slave master can have us going after colors... If the slave master can have us concerned about colors, then we never turn the attention to who the real enemy is.
Come with me. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. The Lord said to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cries by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen carefully, beloved. God sent Moses to deliver a people out of slavery, a people that had forgotten about God, a people that had become hardened by years of servitude. Maybe they acted like brute beasts. Maybe they got used to putting knees in the necks of people. I don't know, but they were slaves. Y'all not catching me. They were slaves. God sent Moses to deliver slaves. And the Bible tells us that every person, any person that is not submitted to Christ is a slave of Satan. I don't want to go preach the gospel to those racists. Yes, God sends you, God sends me, God sends us to go deliver the racist. Whoa, <laughs> whoa, uh, do I have to go? <laughs> do I have to go? Yes, you have to go. Yes, you have to go. Why? Because Satan is infusing his slaves with the spirit of hate, with the spirit of racism, with the spirit of anger, with the spirit of strife. And those, listen to me, those were my people. I created them to be in my image, but Satan has hijacked them. He has them working on his plantation. And listen carefully, because I set you free, mm, mm, no, 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 come, come. Watch this, guys. Romans 6, 16. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Watch this. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin. You were servants on the plantation. But you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So watch this, guys. By the grace of God, you were delivered from the plantation of Satan. Somebody need to say amen to that. Just give me an amen if you are one that was delivered from the plantation of the enemy. Christ came into your life and delivered you from bondage. Yes? Is that you? Is that you? All right. Very good, guys. We were set free. So here, watch how were we set free? That's the question. Or who is it that delivered us? Come with me. I want you to notice this Philippians 2.5. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Now, you got to pause and see this. Are you guys sitting down? I hope you are sitting down. I hope you are sitting down. You need to be sitting for this. Come, let's look at this again. 
The Bible says, Christ, who being in the form of God. So what does that mean, being in the form of God? Okay, so he was God. He was in the form of God. All right, what is the form of God? What does the form of God look like? I'm just going to wait here, guys. You know this answer already. What did Ezekiel see? When he was looking at the glory of God, what did he see? Come on, guys. What did he see when he was looking at the glory of God? In Ezekiel chapter 1, he saw a... Come on, guys. He saw a rainbow. He saw a rainbow. Listen, the glory of God was surrounded with many colors. He had many colors on him, many colors. Watch this. But the Bible says he gave up that glory. He gave up his many colors. Oh, <laughs> his many colors were taken off of him and he became a servant, meaning a slave. Watch this, guys. We might say that Jesus wore many colors. That was his glory. He wore many colors. But he, but he, but he gave up those many. He, he, was, he took off those many colors and became a slave. Verse 8. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name. So Jesus, he was covered in many colors, but those colors were removed and he became a slave and he became obedient unto death. But after that, he was exalted into the highest place. Genesis 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him. What did he make him, everyone? Come on, guys. What did he make him? What did, what did the father make Joseph? He made him a coat. A coat of what? A coat of many colors, guys. Now, very interesting. The Bible says it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Joseph lost his coat, his glory, his coat of many colors. It was taken off of him. Mm. Mm. Wait, verse 24. And they took him, Joseph, and cast him into a pit. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh, man. Oh, man. Verse 27, it says, they said, come and let us sell him. So, so he became a servant. 
His coat of many colors was taken off of him. He becomes a servant. Please note what they did to his coat of many colors. They took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in blood. You guys, listen carefully to me. Jesus' blood covers every color. Jesus died for the white man, the black man, the yellow man, you fill in the blank, all the shades. Jesus died. That coat of many colors, man, y'all not feeling. (laughs) That coat of many colors. And watch what it says next. Look at verse 32. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it to their father. You see, beloved, when we take Jesus' righteousness, the righteousness, when we take that glory and present it before our Heavenly Father, look, the blood. We come to the conclusion that Jesus died for the rainbow. He died to redeem all the colors. Meaning, beloved, if I have an issue with a color, I have an issue with God. Oh, no. (laughs) if I have an issue with colors I have an issue with the very glory of God I hope you're catching this guys So, so watch this now. Now I'm no longer on the plantation. I've been delivered. I was set free from hate, from pride, from racism, from hating your own race. You know that's what racism is, right? Racism is hating your own race. Because there's only one race, guys. And it's the human race. So to hate Black people or white people or Asian people or Indian people, whatever it is, to hate, to hate anybody. Oh, wait a minute. To hate someone that Jesus shed his blood for means you are against the race he created. Because pretty simply put, guys, hate in God's eyes is racism. Done deal. Done deal. What's God trying to tell me? You guys are all part of the same rainbow. You are all brothers. You're one race. You're one family. So to hate your brother is to hate your own race. I hope this term is not offensive. I don't mean it to be. I was thinking to myself when I was putting this together, man, that's kind of like, you know, when they say 
your homo. Listen carefully. Please, please. I don't mean it's offensive in, in any way. But I actually looked the term up. Check out homo racist. Again, I don't use that term offensively. But I, I was like, wait a minute. To hate your own race is to hate your own. And, and the word homo means of the same. And I was like, wait a minute. Looked it up. Homo racist. Whoa. I didn't even knew that term existed. To hate your own race. Please, don't anybody email me, don't write me, don't whatever. I'm just telling you that to hate another human being is to hate your own race. One race, guys. Many colors, but one race. So now, those are my brethren. Those are my brothers. Every race, every person, every color is my brother. So if God has set me free from the plantation, does he say, hey, go along, run now, you've been set free? No, 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 no. He says, hey, I need you to get on the Underground Railroad. <laughs> I need you to go back. Listen, guys, Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen carefully. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Beloved, God is calling us to go into back to the plantation. And to start ministering to our brothers who are still suffering racism. You understand what I mean when I say that now, right? Because those who are practicing racism are slaves on the slave master's plantation. Yep. And the slave master is instilling his spirit in them, saying, I need you to be like me. I need you to hate others. I need you to hate others. I need you to hate the human race. I need you to hate this color people and that color people. So it is our mission to go save our brothers. If someone had gotten to this police officer and saved him off the plantation, he would not be in the trouble that he is in now. He would not have taken a life. How many more of our brothers? You heard me say at the beginning of this presentation, I'm tired of my people being treated as slaves. Yes, I'm tired of my people. And who are my people? The human race. <laughs> The human race, guys, that's my people. That's my brothers. And I'm tired of my brothers being played by Satan. I'm tired of my brothers being played by Satan to think that color is the enemy. We cannot continue, beloved, to let our brothers suffer this delusion. And now listen, it's going to be hard to try to get on a plantation and convince them that the master doesn't mean them any good. But we've got to do it. We've got to at least attempt. 
Watch this, guys. Come on. Come on. Exodus chapter 12, verse 37. The Bible says, And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men beside children. God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt. But watch this. And a mixed multitude went up with them and flocks and herds and even much cattle. It was not just Israelites that left Egypt, beloved. It was a mixed multitude. People of different backgrounds went with the Israelites. God was not just concerned with delivering Israelites. He was concerned with delivering whoever would come. Yes, Egyptians went with them. Now, you can imagine, right? You've been slaves to these, these Egyptians for hundreds of years, and now they're in your camp, and you're in control. Like now, you have the upper hand. And what do you do? Let's see what God says. Here's how I want you to treat them, all right? Exodus 22, verse 21. Watch this. Thou shalt vex a stranger and oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Did I get that right? Oh, I'm sorry. Thou shalt neither vex a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. In other words, God is saying here, beloved, listen, don't treat them the way they treated you. Wow. Don't treat them the way they treated you. Why? Because you know what it's like to be treated like that. So I'm commanding you, I'm commanding you, I'm commanding you, this is how you treat the stranger. Come on, let's go further. Leviticus 19 verse 33, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, you shall not vex him, but the stranger that dwells with you shall be unto you as one born among you, and you shall love him as thyself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I'm God, and I'm telling you that the stranger shall be like one born among you. That means, beloved, the stranger becomes my brother, my own flesh and blood, one born among me, my ethnos, my neighbor. This is why the Bible tells us in James 2.8, if you fulfill the royal law according to scripture, you will love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you fulfill the law, beloved. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love that ethnos as yours. You love that person of that other color as yourself. Our brothers are in captivity to hatred and anger and racism. They are being held captive. And some of them, yes, at their will. And God says, I need you to go in there. And I need you to get my people out of there. 
Wow. That's a serious mission, guys. That's a serious mission. You want me to go to the people that treated me this way, the people that are still treating my people this way, and you want me to go rescue them? Yes, I need you to go rescue them. Jesus came to rescue you while we were yet enemies. You see, beloved, I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper, my brother's guardian. So no, Satan, I'm not going to allow you to treat my white brothers the way you've been treating them. I'm not going to allow you to continue to this idea that the house slave is better than the field slave. No, 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 no. We're going to do everything in our power to go rescue our brethren from the plantation. We're going to get that hate out of their heart by the grace of God. We're going to get that anger. And beloved, listen to me. There are all colors of people on the plantation. Catch what I'm saying, guys. It's not one color of people on the plantation. It is all colors of people on the plantation. Not everyone. But on that plantation, you have representations of every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. Which is why the Bible says that the final message to go into the world is a message that is to go to the rainbow. I saw another angel. Revelation 14, 6. I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people. In other words, to every color. Saying what? Fear God and give glory to him. Watch this, guys. Watch. God's glory, rainbow. <sighs> Colors together. All loving each other. No disruption in the rainbow. How do you give glory to God? It's simply by reflecting that glory. So watch this. The everlasting gospel is designed to bring the colors together. That's why there's a rainbow around his throne, guys. It's to bring all people together, every nation, kindred, tongue, and people, so that together we reflect the glory of God because we can only reflect the glory of God together. That's what heaven is about. Everyone living in peace and harmony. No war, no conflict. So that's why the second angel's message, Revelation 14, 8, the Bible says, and they're following another angel saying, Babylon has fallen, has fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath, wrath of her fornication. Beloved, the world is getting angry because they're drinking the wine. And God says, I want my people to come out of Babylon to stop drinking that wine, to stop producing that wrath. And look at what's going on today, beloved. Look at the news. What do you see? You see the human race going crazy. Exactly as Satan would have it. Listen to me. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't protest wrongs. I'm not. What I'm saying is 
when we do it with hate in our heart, when we do it with anger, when we do it in that way, we are simply demonstrating that we are still on Satan's plantation. Yeah. Catch this, guys. We need to teach these slaves how to read. We need to teach these slaves biblical literacy. I don't even know where. <laughs> Listen, guys. It's hard here in America. It is hard. It's hard. Let me share with you. Give me 10 more minutes and then I'm going to wrap this up, okay? I promise you. I promise you. Revelation 13, 11, the Bible says this, and I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and he spake as a dragon. I get it. In this part of the plantation, America, it's a plantation. And in this part of the plantation, don't get me wrong, right? The whole earth is the devil's plantation. So that's why the Bible says, be in the world, but not of the world. But here in America, it's a big issue. And the Bible actually describes it in Revelation 13, 11. This beast, this nation, which is described in Revelation 13, 11, has the horns of a lamb, meaning it's a Christian nation. A beast represents a nation in Bible prophecy. This is an allegedly Christian nation that speaks like a dragon. In other words, it is the very opposite of what it professes to be. And I need you to see this because our founders, notice what they said about this beast, Revelation 13, 11. I'm going to read to you. Let me just put it up on the screen. This is from Uriah Smith, 1864. Notice what he says here. It's characters. It has two horns like a lamb. The lamb feature is a fit emblem of the profession and the early acts of this government. But it speaks like a dragon, a fit emblem of the practice of this hypocritical nation. Look at the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Then look at slavery. Look at the religious intolerance, the corruption and oppression existing through the land. A further development may be expected in the future. He goes on to say June 10th, 1858. Next, see the beast with two horns like a lamb, but he speaks as a dragon. This, we believe, means the United States. This government is lamb-like in appearance, but dragon-like in action. In profession, it is the land of liberty, but in action, it is the land of slavery and oppression. This was written in 1864, guys. Now listen, I know slavery has been abolished. I get that, but I need you to understand that the Bible does not say that this beast with the horns of a lamb that speaks like a dragon eventually stops speaking that way and gets better. No, 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 no. It continues to speak that way. So in reality, beloved, the same satanic spirit that we were dealing with in the 1860s in this country is still here. Praise God. I believe that we can say many people have gotten off the plantation and are no longer slaves to this spirit. But it still exists. And despite that, God says, I need you. I need you to go and rescue your brethren. That's not my brother. It is your brother. Who is my neighbor? Yes, it is your neighbor. 
Don't do good just to those that do good to you. If you want to be like your father in heaven, pray for them that despitefully use you. Which brings me to my closing thought, guys, because listen carefully. I'm calling for a slave rebellion. I am calling for an uprising. God's people who have been delivered from such things, who have been delivered from the spirit of hate and from the spirit of racism and from all those things, a black, white, whatever color you are, God is calling you to go back to those slaves who are still on that plantation and encourage an, an uprising. Not an uprising against some individual, not an uprising against flesh and blood, but an uprising against the slave master. It's time to turn the attention on the slave master, guys. He exists. He is real. And he is the root behind all of this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Let's go say, let's go deliver our brothers before they do something else stupid. Do you understand what I'm saying? The hidden agenda behind racism is to destroy the human race, not a race, the human race. And Satan will use colors to accomplish that. So how do we encourage the slaves to leave the plantation? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a map. There's got to be a blueprint. <laughs> I'm closing. There is a blueprint. God's way is in the sanctuary. When the Underground Railroad was running, people were leading slaves out of captivity. They had to go station by station, house by house, until they made it into the north. Beloved, God has a divine railroad, and it's called a sanctuary. And I need you to see this. We're closing, guys. I promise you. Listen to me. We need to present the path Away from this hatred, away from this plantation, it begins at the cross of Calvary, which was symbolized by the altar of sacrifice in the Old Testament sanctuary. We need to show the world that Christ's blood covers all colors. Christ died for everyone. If we can get the slaves on the plantation to realize that Christ died for every color, they are on their way to freedom, guys. But it has to start at the cross. We have to take them to the labor where they must experience a washing away of that kind of mentality, a washing away of that kind of thinking where I am better than you because of my color or because of my nationality. So we take them through the labor and wash them through the river. You know, very often when slaves were escaping, they had to cross through rivers. <laughs> they had to wade through the waters. That's what God has called us to do. Listen, I need you. I need my underground railroad folks to go back and to start 
witnessing to these people who are still in captivity to hatred and tell them, listen, Christ died for all colors. Secondly, lead them through the rivers where this, this mentality will be washed away. And not only that, beloved, but we got to educate them with the word of God. We got to teach them how to read. How do I spell that? D-A-N-I-E-L. What does that mean? Daniel. What is that? It was a prophet. What did he do? He prophesied of things to come in the end. We got to teach them how to understand the prophecies, how to understand the gospel, that God is not a tyrant, that God does not condone this kind of behavior. Beloved, we've got to make them biblically literate. We got to pray for the slaves. Are you catching me? We have to pray for the slaves. We can't just go into enemy territory without prayer. We got to pray for them. We got to understand that prayer is going to help lead them out. Yes, pray for your, what you might think your enemies. God says, I want you to pray for your brothers. And I want you to teach them to start praying for others. Pray for the ones that they once hated. God says you're going to go in and deliver. You got to let your light shine. That's the candlestick. Let your light shine. Don't just speak the truth. Live it. Show them I am your brother. Show them that you care about their plight, whether it's white to black or black to white or whatever it is. Show them, listen, I am here to demonstrate to you that I am your brother. I'm not your enemy. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Let's turn our attention on the true enemy, which is Satan, the slave master. And finally, beloved, that Ark of the Covenant, the law of God. What is the law fulfilled in? These words, love. This word, love. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Beloved, this is the pathway to freedom. This is the map that shows slaves how to move from being slaves to hate, slaves to anger, slaves to murder and leads them station by station until they find rest in Jesus Christ. I'm tired of my people being treated as slaves. I'm tired of my people my people being taken advantage of by that slave master. It is time for an uprising. It is time for a slave revolt, for a slave rebellion. And beloved, if you want to protest, if you want to protest, if you want to do something, go snatch some souls from Satan's plantation. Snatch them. That's how you fight the battle. You fight with love. Heavenly Father, you've spoken to us. You've helped us to, to see today, Lord, that in your eyes, racism 
is hatred for the human race. There is only one race, Lord, but many colors. There is only one race, and that is the human race. Satan was the first racist, and to this day he hates the human race, and so he plays us one against another. Lord, help us to understand this. The hidden agenda has been exposed, and now, Lord, may we work towards uniting the rainbow that we might reflect your glory. And the only way we can do that is by taking that everlasting gospel into all the world, into Satan's plantation, and to snatch souls from his plantation, snatch them from the spirit of hate and anger and racism and all those crops that grow out of his plantation. Lord, may we be diligent in the work you have called us to do. And Lord, if we ourselves are still on that plantation, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord. Deliver us. Deliver us from the hand of the enemy that we might be used to deliver others from the hand of the enemy. Lord, if I've said anything amiss in this message, Lord, you know my heart, you know my intention. But Lord, bless your people now. We need the peace that passes understanding. We don't need to get caught up in the spirit of the world. Lord, the world is angry and rightly so, but for many, they're expressing it in the wrong way. Lord, teach us to do this in your way, Lord, because your way is the way and your way is the only path to freedom. Put that love within our hearts, Lord, that will help us to see our brother in the colors. Not see an enemy. No matter how much Satan tries to convince us that flesh and blood is the enemy, may we look past it and fight for our own. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering this prayer. Thank you for speaking to us today, Lord. In Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to thank you guys for watching today. I want to thank you guys for uh, listening. It is my prayer that not one person was offended today. That is my prayer. My prayer is that this message will move you in such a way that you will see things in a clearer light. This message was recorded and produced by Power of the Lamb Ministries. Our mission is to help prepare God's people for the soon coming of Jesus Christ by pointing to the supernatural power of the Lamb of God that gives us the experience of victorious Christian living. For more information on our multimedia resources or inquiries on speaking engagements, please log on to our website at www.powerofthelamb.com. That's www.powerofthelamb.com or you can call us at area code 805-226-8080 that's 805-226-8080 thank you and god bless